Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to a Red Shirt Friday edition of Roll Route, the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, Dwight Mowdy, we do it Monday through Friday anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue, continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers. For some reason, I just had this little bug in my head thinking Dwight Mowdy's got to be on. It's got to be on July 21, 2023, coming to us from the great northern part of Indiana. How are you, Dwight? I'm doing well. Thank you. You know why you had to be on today, right? Yeah, you just, I think I was just reminded that tomorrow's the day of the cowboy. (laughs) (laughs) That could not have left your mind. Well, when you're trying, for the next nine days, uh, we're at the fair, our county fair. I don't know if you knew Elkhart's got the largest county fair in the United States. No, I did not know that. But and, I, yeah. any county fair that lasts ten days is a big one. Yeah, it's almost. A lot of times they say it's bigger than the Indiana State Fair. Uh, there are times when our booth uh, sees, say, seven or eight thousand people a day. Whoa! And I've got a banner that's three foot high and six foot wide that talks about cowboys and the cowboy ethics and code of the West. And from that time, we've probably started 10 schools along the way. The the people are looking for it. They want something to believe in. They want something positive. Dwight, it's been long enough now that um, you should just give us a, a, a nutshell of your work in cowboy ethics and how you got here. Okay. Uh, about nine years ago, believe it or not, this doesn't seem like it should be that long. I discovered uh, James Owen wrote a book called Cowboy Ethics, What Wall Street Could Learn from the Code of the West. And in there, he chronicles 10 principles that you should live by and that the cowboys live by. And he actually researched and then lived on some ranches and found that in the Western world, these principles are still a, a big deal. And so he came out. We introduced it to about 250 people and started that year with one class in one school. And now we're at the point where we reach. Sorry. Well, now, now we know you're a true cowboy. You, you got to you know, cowboy song as your ringtone. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anyway, now today, coming in this next year, we will have about 2,000 students a week that are getting these principles and the Code of the West. Uh, what's really cool for that you'll appreciate, Trent, I now have kids that I started in that first class are in high school. And now I'm going into the high school, and the first thing they do when they walk up to me is stick that hand out and say, "Hey, Mr. Mowdy, how you doing?" And I haven't seen some of them for six or seven years. Yeah. And and so that's where we're at. We're we're giving these kids something to believe in. We're showing them work ethic, and at the same time, we're showing them that agriculture is a world that they want to live in. Uh, cowboy ethics opens the world, opens the door. And we step in and show them that it's a way to build a future. And you can give us, off the top of your head, the 10 Code of Ethics? I can. 
Okay. I, the, I got the in first... trouble yesterday, Dwight, just so you know. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because all this week I've been reminding people that Saturday is going to be the day of the Cowboys. So in almost every broadcast, I've been talking about it, and I've been sharing the 10 Cowboy Code of Ethics. And yesterday on KFIRE Cafe, I had a call, Barry Borg, I'll call him out. He called in. He said, hey, Trent, what are those 10 Code of Ethics again? And, you know, <laughs> on a spot of the spur of the moment without thinking about it, I, I – I just said, you know what, Barry? I'm going to go get them and read them to make sure I get them all there. So yes. that'll never happen again, Dwight Mowdy. I'll, I'll never get put on the spot and fail. So go ahead. Okay. Live each day with courage. Take pride in your work. Always finish what you start. Number four, which is the a really big one, do what has to be done. Number five, be tough but fair. Number six, when you make a promise, keep it. Another big one. Number seven, I think the most important of all is ride for the brand. Uh, number eight, talk less and say more. Number nine, remember that some things are not for sale. And finally, number 10, know where to draw the line. And we emphasize all of these at some point during the school year. And we have them do activities and we talk about it. And as, and especially now in the high school, we talk about how these principles fit into everyday life. You know, number one is not running into a burning building, but it's having that positive can do approach that I can handle whatever comes at me every single day. Uh, number seven, I think with ride for the brand, that's where you're, if you're going to be part of something, you're part of something. You know, I, I explained to the kids that. You know, the old guys, and even now, they'll fight for the brand. They, that brand is important. And it's a really good time for the Western culture. It's really coming back strong. A lot of, you know, obviously Yellowstone and some of these others are getting them interested. But then that opens their mind that we can show them that there's something more than just a TV show. There's something more to live by. What I like about what you're doing, well, there's many things I like, but what's encouraging is the fact that we've always, through Ag in the Classroom and through other educational systems, wanted to get in and spend time with those three, third and fourth graders, which I think is vitally important. And there's something about right. the development of the brain. But the fact that you get in and do this in high school, I, I think that high school kids have more challenges and are uh, confused more than any time ever in the history of the world, not just my lifetime, the history of the world. And the fact that we can get in a high school classroom or a high school period, whether it's classroom and assembly, whatever the case may be, and right. make these kids think about something other than the nonsense they're being fed, other than where the boys are told you can't be boys. And, and by the way, this was happening right. a long time ago. Because I've been talking about it in the FFA, you've had very mm -hmm. few young men who would step up and to be leaders. And I'm just talking about FFA because I know every high sure. school organization has been the same way because the the boys have been afraid. And right. so the I fact agree. that you can get in and, 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 and just have a conversation with these men and women in high school is vitally important. Well, I, I have to tell you, and I think this will make you really happy. When I started working with the Elkhart High Schools, there were no FFA chapters. Now there's one at the career center. There's one at the high school. And this next year, 
we're starting junior FFAs in the middle schools and in some of the elementaries so that these kids from fifth grade on will have an introduction to agriculture. This past year, the FFA kids helped me put on an ag day out here at the fairgrounds. We had 1,300 kids, Trent, came out and saw animals. And we had like a grain truck. We had a tractor. I mean, these kids saw agriculture up close like they'd never seen it. Now, as you can imagine, the headaches were pretty big, but we got through it. (laughs) No, I can't imagine. I have no idea. Do I I what could go wrong? What could go wrong here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, to start with, we had 18 school buses arrive all at the same time. Nice. Oh, yeah, it was great. But the kids just, it was just like, it. they couldn't believe what they were seeing. And with the high schoolers, now I've actually formed a committee. Um, Elkhart has a school farm, 113 acres. And they have, they have some pigs. They have uh, geese, ducks, chickens. You know, they have different livestock. And the kids go out and work on the farm. Well, it had not had any kind of pens or anything. So I've actually developed a committee where I have some adult volunteers and I have high school volunteers that we work together to to build stuff, to fix stuff, to get a job done. And you're really going to like this next year. We're working on, we're going to start a beef program where we're going to raise beef cattle on the, on that farm. And it just, these boys want someone to give them an example. I truly believe that. I've got one that when I started working with him two years ago, didn't want to participate, wouldn't talk to anybody, just sat there. Now he's on this committee. He he just he, when I when he sees me come in, the first thing he has to do is talk, and yeah. he wants to tell me what's going on with him. And uh, they call they call it Mountie Monday when I'm coming in. And the teacher has to put it up on the calendar. Nice. And the kids, the kids are like, like she just told me, I just talked to this teacher. She goes, can you work it in twice a month this year? And I go, well, probably. She goes, these kids are asking me if you're going to come in more. And I'm we gonna, do things. I'm going to come in more, but we'll come right back. Roll right. Yeah. Mountie Cowboy. I okay. think we're back with more after this. Don't forget to pay attention to the most reliable source of energy we have, reliable and affordable. It's coal. Details about the coal business at Lignite.com. Welcome back. Roll around Trent Loose on a red shirt Friday preparing for the National Day of the Cowboy with Dwight Mowdy. This is just a testament to what one person can do in a community. Nine years, and now this is completely consumed Dwight's life, Dwight and his wife's life, I should say. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I had to cut you off because That's now right. you're being asked no. to come in for two Mouty Mondays what? a month in one particular yes. high school. Uh, it's Elkhart. Uh, it's the teacher that wants me in a lot is the freshman academy, which is really exciting because we're getting those kids younger. We're, we're getting them right now. We're getting them fired up. But then the other teachers, well, she's also going to start teaching in the in the regular high school. She wants me twice a month there too because the kids are asking for it. It's yeah. not like you know. And 
what I know you're going to really appreciate this next year, I'm going to have an intern, um, or young name, young woman named Lily. She's been a student of mine since fifth grade. And every year she would come out to the fair with her family. And the first time she brought her family in, they're all looking under the table. And I'm like, did you guys need something? She goes, her mom says, no, we just wanted to see if you could really walk on water like Lily says you can. <laughs> and so Lily has, yesterday we were setting up our booth and the one Farm Bureau gentleman that was helping, he goes, Lily, what's your plans for the future? Now, here's the really cool part. She graduates next year, this next school year. When she graduates, Trent, she'll have an associate's degree in ag science. That that from the high, I mean, through it's called Ivy Tech. It's a Indian right. vocational, right? But that's two years that she's got done in her in her college education. He asked her what her plans are. She says, "I'm going to Oregon State online to finish up my bachelor's, and I'm going to work with Mr. Mowdy and teach cowboy ethics." Oh my he goes, goodness! What? He goes, "What about when you get done with that?" She goes. I'm going to be with cowboy ethics as long as he needs me. So, I mean, she's an amazing young, you'd like her. Cause buddy, if you ask her a question, you're going to get a straight answer. You may, awesome. Whether you like it or not, but there's a lot of those kids that are starting to come that way that are wanting to, wanting to work with me and work on different things. And I think that if we can tap into that, that giving that we can tap into them being more involved in mm-hmm. their community. Absolutely. You know, and they respect, they respect the, the idea that agriculture feeds us. They understand that better and better. So what, what's the general perception when people come in seven to 8,000 people a day, you, you don't get time to visit with every one of them, obviously, but you visit with enough right. of them to kind of get a feel for what they're thinking about life today. I think they're very concerned about where their food comes from. I think they have a new awakening, um, not just enough food, but the quality of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you've probably seen it already. Um, we have started in our family getting back into our building our beef herd up. We've got every calf we have is sold right now. I'm, you know, I can't raise enough. And it's because the people want to be able to have, they want a, a wholesome animal. I mean, then they understand that a lot of the small ranchers and farmers, we take better care of those kids, those cattle than, than ourselves a lot of the times. But they also know that there's a, a some of these things that, that they're coming out with are not going to be good. You know, the fake meat and all that. When they compare to what we are giving them as a product versus what they're going to get there. They're the people are like, I don't want any of that. We have a small chicken flock. I'm selling eight to 10 dozen eggs a week because those people, they said, I can't believe the difference. Well, you and I understand it, but I'm just, I think they just really want, they want to have locally grown. They want to know that they can go to those people and get their food. So, you know, we, we've been trying to wake 
people up about this and, and the importance of food production and energy production right. as a means of national right. security and families. Yes. I, I, I want to know what you think the awakening was or is. What is it that's happening that just gets people to say, oh, well, I need to know more about my food? Well, I think the first thing was when COVID hit and they went to the store and the shelves were getting empty or there was rationing and things on the mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that made them go, whoa, what's happening? And then I think, and I, and I don't mean this to sound egotistical, but you and I doing our advocacy mm-hmm. brings it back to them that, hey, did you ever stop to think about where that food on that shelf came from? Did you ever stop to think about what would happen if, if it shut down? And I think they realized that it it doesn't take much as a national security to to shut everything down. And you're doesn't you know when you're buying local and and the other less the other message I give them is, and, and maybe I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I think there's a definite, distinct movement to shut down the small farmer. I think they're trying to make us cl- close us up by overregulation and everything else. But I, but, and I always tell them, is it going to be more difficult to control 10 big mega farms or a thousand small farms? Let me give you uh, some data that verifies what you just said to be true. And, and and I think that a lot of people are aware of these two issues, but don't tie Uh them together. Right. So there is a severe, large animal food animal veterinarian shortage in the united states yes yes only six percent of all veterinarian clinics do large animal work only six percent right in addition to that the average price that uh, the average indebtedness let's call it that a student has coming out of vet school is now at one hundred and eighty four thousand dollars so you have to go nearly, and twenty percent, the top twenty percent of them have over two hundred thousand dollars just wow. in an education, and that doesn't include the building that you got to build. And there's yeah. a whole movement to do mobile veterinary work right, too. And right. We can have that discussion. So we know that's a problem, but at the same time, Dwight, we now have, as of the last thirty days, where you cannot administer an antibiotic. Any antibiotic injectable to a, to a, an animal without right. a veterinarian's prescription. We've been right. on that path for feed. You haven't been able to put feed in an animal without a prescription or antibiotic in the feed for right. several years now. We continue right. to have a regulatory system that compounds and compounds and requires more effort from the large animal veterinarian while everybody knows we have fewer and fewer large animal veterinarians. Yeah. And that's so you're, just, you're just one aspect of it. You're overloading them. They, Absolutely. We have a, we have, we're, we're lucky. We have a veterinarian. Um, he's primarily small animals, but he does large animal too. That's on our Farm Bureau board. And he is related many times exactly what you're saying. They just get bombarded with, with requests and, and things that people need. And he goes, sometimes I just can't. It's not that I don't want to. I just, there's not enough hours in the day. And, you know, and he said, uh, it's not getting any better. And every time you turn around, there's a new regulation. So, you know, we've, we've got to make people aware that if we go 
Well, it's it's like the old bumper sticker, no farms, no food. You know, I mean, that's the message we have to get out to these people is, you know, if you want if you want to have a secure food supply, you, you've got to be able to count on all the local people. Now, around here, as you know, we're pretty heavily Amish. There's a lot of roadside stands. And to the credit, the legislature just passed a law that removed all the barriers for the for anybody having a roadside stand or for us to sell eggs off of our farm or beef or whatever. They made it much simpler. But, you know, that's that doesn't happen very often with the governments anymore. They yeah. they don't want to give anything up. And uh, the Amish are not real worried about the power grid failing. That's one other nope. side benefit. We're back yeah. with the second half of Dwight Mowdy Cowboy Ethics. More after this. Speaking of cowboys and beef, let's talk about certified Piedmontese. It's an opportunity for cattlemen of the Great Plains of America to tap into a value-added market because there are fewer people in the middle. That's the bottom line. The consumer, Lone Creek, and the certified Piedmontese system, and you, the producer. If you are a consumer and you want a consistent supply of tender beef, you want to check out the Smokehouse products, there's a tremendous plethora of protein available on this website, and it's all delivered directly to your door. You want to buy from Great Plains Cattlemen, you want to know where your beef comes from, and there are even now grass-fed options that you may want to be interested in. Details about all of the advantages found when the tender beef supply from the Piedmontese breed can be found on the web. CertifiedPiedmontese.com. Furthermore, folks, we need to eat more beef because beef and ruminant animals are the key to the future of a healthy planet, not sequestering carbon in the ground, sequestering it through plant growth. That's the answer. Welcome back, Trent Lewis, alongside Dwight Mowdy, coming to us from Elkhart, Indiana. It's true. If you don't know Elkhart, Indiana, it's truly just a gym. Not that far away from a lot of people, but it's a, it's a busy industrial manufacturing rooted county in north central Indiana. I just can't say enough good about it. Not, not to forget those two Pertrans that I bought that came out of Elkhart County, Indiana that actually taught me how to drive a team. Yeah, the horses taught me, Dwight. I believe it. I believe it. Yeah. You know what's truly amazing, though, out of that, too, though? In the state of Indiana, Elkhart is the second, has the second largest ag economic uh, impact. They figure we put 10% of the ag dollars into the entire state while we're still number one in manufacturing. So uh, the county that Rensselaer is in, is that Chaffee County? Is that number one? It's Jasper, I believe. Jasper, Jasper right. That'd be yeah. a neighboring county to Jaffe County, I think. Yeah. I, well, it's no. White and Jasper and all those out there. Yeah. That's, that's where that Fair Oaks Dairy, where they milk yeah. all the cows. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And at the, yeah. it's right next to Rensselaer. I thought it was in that same county, but anyway. Well, you know, it's really funny there because the county line is, is like right at the dairy. Oh. So, it kind of gets kind of gray there. Yeah. But, but we give them, we've got so many, a lot of the, the Mennonite and Amish farms that have a 1,500 or 2,000 cows 
that are in our county that milk. And so that kind of, they say we're number one in cattle, total cattle, milk, uh, dairy, and beef right. altogether. Anyway. So Nebraska has never been a big Amish home. Right. But there's a little buzz occurring in Cherry County, Nebraska, which is the number one cow-calf county in the nation. Right. I've heard that. And uh, they got an Amish community or family moving in. Wow. <laughs> and it's I don't know why it's a big deal, but it's a big deal. It's like, <laughs> hey, somebody's going to keep you rooted because there's some nefarious things taking place in Cherry County, even one of the most rural counties in the nation. And people right. have lost sight of the importance of agriculture. If it, oh. they're worried about the Amish and and how it will affect tourism. Well, have you ever heard of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania? Oh, you should. Well, just think, Trent. Uh, the next county east of us, which is where, if you remember, remember when you and I met. Remember the gentleman that made it happen, John Reffitt. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I hear from well, John. John, John lives in Lagrange, and that is the second largest Amish community in the United States. And and it's a town called Shipshawana that, let me tell you, tourism is a big deal. Yeah. But um, I wanted to tell you one thing. Though. Ask Keith Lambright about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, buddy. You're, you're that right on the money. Um, what we were talking about getting the people to back to agriculture. Right. One of the things we do in the high school, well, actually, I do it in all the different grade levels. I have an activity called one that's called build a ranch. And I tell them they just got this ground. They have to fence it. They have to figure out how much hay they can raise. They have to figure out how many cows they can put on it. They have to figure out the equipment for it. And all this, it's all math, right? And you know, the kids usually when they have classes like, yuck, I hate this. I can't tell you how many of them I've had say, I didn't know math could be fun. And I go, this is the kind of thing, though, you have to go through every day when you're on a, a farm or a ranch is cost uh, versus planning versus implementing. That happens every day. And, and they're learning. It also, you know, it's sort of a business plan, but they're learning that agriculture is not just throw some seeds on the ground and hope it grows. Yeah, that's the wonderful thing about what you're doing, Dwight, is you're not just living off of the ethos of the cowboy. You're you're actually breaking it down and bringing a hands-on approach so that these these young minds get a, mm-hmm. a better grasp. Hey, look at it this way. It's not only just about whether they're ever going to be a cowboy yeah. involved in food production. Whatever right. they do in life, as long as they're a productive working contributor Absolutely. to life it, they're going to use every one of these skills that you're teaching them and challenging them to think yes. about i wish i could get you i go down just east of muncie there's a school i go into now it's it's my one of my favorite schools it's called monroe central and it's an elementary it's k through six and it's where i started the code of the west minutes and all that but the fifth grade there last year were so spectacular We'd burn through some of these activities and they'd ask for more. Oh, wow. And they're very, it's, it's a very rural county. Um, several of the, of the kids' families have five or six thousand hogs. You got a lot of cattle. Um, but anyway, we had the discussion one day about, you're going to laugh, which breed is the best cattle breed to have? 
Now these oh. are fifth graders, and we're getting into this characteristic or this quality is better than another. And so what I did with them, I gave them the act, the, the challenge. As teams, they had to come up with what they think the best cattle breed was for their area. So they had to research, they had to go through and look them up, and they all came back with an answer. But they, they're, these kids are so special. This next school year, they're moving up to sixth grade. Yeah, I'm going with them. We're going to sixth grade with them. The <laughs> Dwight's going back to sixth grade. <laughs> yeah, that's it. The superintendent wants me to take this group of kids all the way through high school. Oh, my And goodness. as we go through, keep implementing cowboy ethics into the different levels that that he thinks it's so important and these kids are responding so well. So, you know, I mean, and you know, the truth of it is, Trent, I get, I get, I'm more blessed than these kids ever could be. I get so much from them. I get so much energy. I I mean, they're just great. They're just, they, they, they just want somebody to show them, to teach them, you know, and that's what I try to do. I experience that all of the time, Dwight, because when I'm asked to come and speak at an FFA banquet or something. Right. I come home so inspired and it's just been my tagline. If you're ever getting blue about the future of this country, go to your local yeah. FFA chapter, just sit and watch and you will be inspired on yes. what these kids. The problem is that they get out of high school and then there's just everybody in the world telling them what they can't do. Right. Instead of saying, Hey, what are you going to do? Absolutely. And that's all you got to do is say, what are you going to do? Well, and see, that's where our Farm Bureau here is a little, we're very engaged. We're very active. We have high schoolers on our, on our Farm Bureau board and from the different high schools. And what we, what we're working towards is saying, okay, like you just said, when you get out of high school, we're going to help you keep on going. You want to get into agriculture? We're going to help you find a way. And I actually, my wife, Linda and I both work with them, pointing to places to go, pointing jobs, giving them that support. And, and the kid, you know, like I say, we're, as you said before, I cannot do this without Linda. She is, she is a tremendous support and it's really neat to see her work with the kids. Um, when we do the cattle drives in the school, which you remember is the balloons and the fly yeah, swatters. Oh man. She's challenging them right with it. And now we've progressed on that where we have mountains they have to get through. And we have a river, which is a blue tarp with a fan blowing across it. So like the <laughs> river flowing. So, so they have to work their way through that. Um, I had to explain yeah, just, to a friend of mine in Colorado. I was on the air with her this week, Kim Munson. She asked me for a testimonial about a month ago, just because she's putting together a marketing brochure. Uh huh. She said, Trent, would you say a word or two about, you know, my work and what we do? Sure. And so I sent her back a note and I said, Kim, just know that I would cross a river with you anytime. And she didn't say anything about it. She said, thank you. I appreciate that. But this week when I joined her Wednesday on the air and she does a great job, she absolutely does a fantastic job on KLZ and Denver. Um, It's Kim Munson's show. 
We're ta- I was talking about, obviously, this week is the day of the Cowboy sure. on Saturday. Make sure we right. take a moment and think about what the Cowboys have contributed. And then I walked through how the image of the Cowboy was built from 1865 for 12 years, sure. selling 6 million head of cattle north. And I said, and the greatest accolade is if you told someone that you would cross a river with them because the most dangerous part of the cattle drive, no Absolutely. matter what Hollywood said, was crossing a river. More lives were lost trying to get the herd, the Remuda, and the whole the Cowboys across. Yeah. The river. So if you'd cross a river with somebody, that was the greatest degree of respect. And Kim says, yep. "Oh, that's why you wrote that." <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, well, I, told, I said, I told, "Kim, if you didn't understand it, why didn't you ask me then? You thought we just wanted yes, to get wet, yes. or what?" That's right. Well, the one, the principal at this Monroe Central is exceptional. Or, and uh, I said to him, "I said, you're a man to ride the river with." And he goes, what's that mean? So I have <laughs> actually have a page that explains it all, right? Yeah. And I also do with the kids is think about this, okay? Those guys were drylanders. And they go, what do you mean? I said, they didn't have swimming pools. A lot of times the river was three inches deep or four inches, except when you had storms and stuff. So now they come up to move these cows across this river, and the cows are swimming halfway across. Right. And I said, think about you're riding in, and if you get knocked off, what's going to happen? And they're and and it's really neat when they're faced. They go, "Wow, you could die." I go, "A lot of them did. Mm-hmm. It was the most dangerous part of a cattle drive." But with that in mind, though, what you said about the cattle drives, though, Trent, the thing I tried to show them the most is when those guys started out, they had no idea zero idea what they were going to face they just knew they had an opportunity they knew they had a chance and the other thing i really stress with them is you had ex-slaves you had the hispanic culture and you had the white guys all working together they all had to overcome that diversity they didn't care and i and i said that's the other thing is they didn't pay attention to all the other rhetoric they just worked together We're all out. We're working together and back with the last segment after this. Think about this, the National Western and our culture drive this year to bring it back to the basics. And the basics in 1906 was all about educating people, bringing the culture alive and the mass number of individuals who would show up in Denver, Colorado. I can see how the cowboy ethics and Dwight Mowdy, what he's talking about here, plays a role because, quite frankly, that's what uh, my very first radio broadcast with Loose Tales, believe it or not, was from the National Western. That was in 2001. And when I broadcast from the National Western in 2001, I was talking about the educational aspects upstairs. Let's get back to the basics. See in Denver, 2024, nationalwestern.com. Welcome back. Roll route, Trent Loose alongside Dwight Mowdy. Funny you mentioned the uh, freed slaves, which in, was one in four of the cowboys on the trail. That was what yeah. I focused on today. I found a quote from Nat Love in his 1907 autobiography talking about how the freed slaves on the cattle drive were treated by the cowboys that they worked with. 
and how they were treated by the local businesses when they got to a little oh, town, yes. a saloon keeper. It was completely night and day. And Nat Love went out of his way to talk about how the camaraderie, no matter what your skin color, no matter what anything was taking place that existed with the Cowboys was incredible. Yes. It was the townspeople they had a problem with. I stress that so much. I actually found an article where exactly what you're saying, Trent, the townspeople would be like, I'm not waiting on them. And the, the, the other guys, the white guys would go, then you ain't, you ain't working with us. You, ain't yeah. te- you, you don't teach them right. You ain't getting our business. They, they grew so close together. It's, it's ride for the brand. You stood up for all of your guys. You all stood together. And that's where I show the kids and I work so hard to show these kids that that's the way we need to be. It doesn't matter. You know, I had, you're going to, I think you'll appreciate this. I had a group of kids I was mentoring one day and the one little guy goes, what do you think about race, Mr. Mowdy? And it was, it was multicultural. I mean, I had every, every race in there. And I said, well, here's how I see it. You guys are all green with white polka dots. And he looks at me, he goes, what? I said, you're all my kids. I don't care what you look like. And I said, out West, it's not about what you look like. It's do you do the job? Do you work with each other? It's the positive things do you do that sets you apart, that identifies you. And they were like, wow. You know, because they're, they're told so much that it matters what you look like. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. Dwight, I know we have this discussion every time you're on, and uh, you've been such a champion in Elkhart County and all of Indiana, and we've, through the years, talked about whether this is going to to, uh, magnify and be picked up in Wyoming and New Mexico and different. Whoa, we need it in New Mexico like no place else, by the way. But uh, what's the movement been in that regard? Well, it's interesting. I had a young man. I have a young man in Shadesville, Ohio, which is on the West Virginia, Ohio border. Mm-hmm. He was on the internet and he saw the Facebook page and he called me up and he is now teaching his seventh, eighth and ninth graders cowboy ethics. I zoom with him and here's what you're going to love. I got, I keep getting the, the videos from him. Mr. Mountie, Mr. Mountie, got to tell you, look, and he puts on, he says, I bought my first cowboy hat. Oh, wow. And then, then he has to show, he goes, I got my cowboy boots. And he goes, and I said, that's great. But, you know, it's not just the boots and the hat. And he goes, my kids are really getting it. He was so excited. It took a little bit, but he, he goes, they're really starting to get into the understanding of why it's important. So we're, we're going there. We've got some classes going, um, Kentucky, um, Nebraska. I don't hear a lot from them. I've got one young lady in Oregon. She teaches 12 kids out in a r- really rural school. She teaches cowboy ethics. Um, I just was approached by, she's a state senator, but she works with Indiana, Indianapolis public schools. She wants to start cowboy ethics. In t- they're going to have STEAM academies. And she wants me to start it down there. Um the the school board and the superintendents of Elkhart want every elementary, which is thirteen. I'm only in five right now. They but that what what I run into, and we're working on solving that, 
when I get Lily on board where she can go out on her own, she can take classes. Your, our friend John Reffitt, he retired, so he's going to start teaching classes because there's just no, I can't get everywhere. Right. You know, that's the problem I run into. Yeah, that but, makes sense. But um, we, we have to have a champion in all of those places. That, I mean, you've been s- such an incredible champion for the cause. That's why it's infectious, and that's why people – you can't just teach the classes. I can hear, you know, tidbits and I think you said shade line Ohio. I can hear a bits of a, of a young man who's figured out that he needs to champion this cause, but that's what it takes to make it go across the entire country. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's where um, the biggest problem we've had is I've gone to six other counties in Indiana mm-hmm. and they all love the idea but they, it's hard to find that person yeah. who's going to step in and do it. And we're actually, that's why we're, we're kind of operating from, if I can get some more people on board to teach around here, then I can go to these other schools and I can help build that. You know, usually when I get into a teacher, you find that one teacher right? and you start working with her or him and they get excited and they get fired up. Um, you have to, I have to tell you, I started a new school back in the spring. And the young lady is a, it's fifth grade and she's, um, she's, there's not a thing urban or rural about her. Okay. Um, she's a very nice lady, but you know, I don't think she's had a pair of jeans on in her life. But anyway, she's, uh, she's sitting when we do the different activities and stuff. She's sitting there with us and she's asking as many questions as the kids do. She's all pumped up for it. And she goes, I just love it. Cause she goes, I've never been exposed to any of this. She came up to me at the day of the ag day and we did it inside. We had it in barns because we knew it was going to rain. Sure. She's stepping carefully around the mud puddles, but she gets in and she goes, I am so excited. She goes, I've never seen anything like this. And that's what I find with a lot of these teachers that they, they look at it like a whole new opportunity, a whole new way to open up for these kids. And I don't know, I guess I just, well, try to step in. There's so many reasons that you're successful, but the other thing is that it's continually evolving for you. You continue to find blue canvas or blue tarps to create the river environment. You continue to find ways to enhance how we tell the story. Well, the last one I want to tell you about, um, you know, I, I use, I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's called last American cowboy it was on plant animal planet. And they followed three Montana ranches through the whole year. I'm familiar, but I never saw it. Yeah. Well, I use them quite a bit. And the first couple, they talk about late March, early April, there's a blizzard comes in mm-hmm. when they're calving a blizzard in Montana. Sure no, it not. never happens. No. So, Not with climate change. So, so, <laughs> so I I put the kids in teams, and I go, congratulations, you now own a ranch in Montana. And in two days, you're going to have a blizzard hit your ranch. What do you need to do to get ready for it? And I give them scenarios. The cows are in a pasture. five; They're out five miles away. Um, your, ba- your round bales are around, but they're all over the farm. You got 50 gallons worth of diesel fuel. I give them the whole thing. And they have to come up with a way to get ready for that storm. 
as a team. Mm. They have to prepare a list. Then the next time I come in, I go, it's the day of the storm. And, you know, animals still have to be fed and all that. So I tell them, okay, who's feeding the cattle today? So, well, so-and-so. Well, they just came in and the tractor quit running out in the middle of the field. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they'll go through all the battery. I go, nope. Well, what I'm getting at is it freezes up. Or then, then I'll let them work that one out. And I'll go back about five minutes later and I'll go, oh, who's checking on mama cows today? Well, so and so. Well, there's one down out in the pasture having a calf in the middle of this 60 mile an hour snowstorm and it's backwards. And they're like, oh crap. When I come back the third time, Trent, they go, no, we've had enough problems <laughs> for today. <laughs> Yeah, but that's but where you tell them. Me. See, you screwed up two days ago. You shouldn't have had cows yeah. in the pasture. The snow was. You knew right. the blizzard that's was right. coming. That's they needed exactly to be at the barn. Right. That's exactly right. And they and they start realizing that it's all you know that it's not an easy time. You can't walk away from that. You cannot walk away from that. You've got to find some way to deal with that situation. And you and I both know in life that's the way it is. You can't always just walk away. The calf's got to die. Yep. Yep. Because and maybe the still, mom. I, I mean, Dwight, literally, I've cared for a million animals, literally, sure. in my lifetime. I don't doubt that. And it's still that calf you don't save that it, it never gets easier. I agree. I totally agree. I told that to the kids. I said, I've had not nearly as many as you, but it's always that one lamb or that one calf that you couldn't save and gnaws at you. It's like, what could I have done more? Yeah. You know? And, and I, and that's one of the other lessons that I really show these kids is there's, there is compassion for their animals. You know, you and I both know there, yeah, you got those bad actors now and then, but the vast majority, the vast majority of these people that work in agriculture, ranchers, farmers, whatever, Mm -hmm. they care about those animals right we we have one minute left okay. i want to make sure that you direct people where they can get more information and what okay. they can find out and how to get a hold of you however you want to handle that okay well we have a website cowboy ethics indiana we have a facebook page which will allow you to message me and we have my email direct email is cowboy ethics dwm at gmail.com i will always respond or my personal cell phone is 574-360-8646 and i will never not respond i i will always respond to you it may be to say i don't know how i could get to you but i will think about it but i will do, always respond do you always uh finish what you start oh absolutely do you recognize Absolutely. that some things aren't for sale? That's that's such a big thing in today's world. It is. And apparently, integrity is for sale yes. a little too often. I think so, too. Dwight Mowdy, thank you for being available. Now you need to get out to the Elkhart County Fair and educate another 8,000 people today about cowboy <laughs> I will take my best shot. As we get ready to celebrate the National Day of the American Cowboy, I'm Trent Lewis for Dwight Mowdy. Both of us remind you that all roads do lead to a roll route. It doesn't matter whether it's the week that we celebrate the National Day of the Cowboy or it's just every other week of the year. We say thank you to those cowboys that 
donned the uniform of the United States military. The individuals who have enabled our ability to be a free nation for 247 years, those freedoms are eroding. But the only reason we have a chance is that the veterans, the active duty, and the first responders have all contributed to the ability to maintain this representative republic. Say thank you to the veterans in any way possible. TheWallOfHonor.org is a great way.